everybody else living with Gary or is everybody <laughs> well, the only reason I could figure out why Chris asked me to talk was to give Andy's voice a chance to rest. But we're going to go to some one of three and look at an important verse. What I wanted to do is I want to understand who can be compared to God and get a larger scriptural picture of how we come to know God. Whenever you come to know someone relationally, we understand in human terms you get common ground, you spend time together, you converse, you do things together. But whenever you come to know God, coming to know our Creator, coming to know the great spiritual being, it's a much different form and process than it is really coming to know someone else. How then do we come to know God? Let's begin in Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forgives all your iniquities and heals all your desires. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He may know his ways to Moses, his works to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to his iniquities. So in the context of this verse, David is going to God and blessing him, praising him, not only for his forgiveness and his redemption, but also for his grace and his nature. Now let's get a context here. This is from David. Those of you who had me a few weeks ago, about what year are we? Hey, the bedroom in my class, what year are we? 1,000. 1,000, very good. This is about 1,000 BC. Okay, so if you weren't in my class a few weeks ago, there's five critical dates. Emily knows this too. Emily, what's our first one? It's hard to hear next. Okay, so like 2000? Okay, 2000, who's 2000? Think backward. Zero's Jesus. 2000 would be? Father Abraham. There you go, Abraham. Okay. So, if you want to understand the Old Testament, I struggled with the Old Testament history for a long time. The Old Testament breaks into about four different sections of 500 dates. Approximately 0 BC is Christ, 500 BC is Malachi, 1000 BC is David, 1500 BC is Moses, 2000 BC is Abraham. So right now we're about in the middle of the Old Testament history with David. David, of course, is the great psalmist who gives this great proclamation to God for his work and his nature. But I want us to note especially verse 7. This is what we're going to spend the rest of our time on. God made known his ways to Moses and his works to the people of Israel. Here in the context, you have God making known his ways to Moses and his works to the children of Israel. I'm going to recommend for us to come to know God, it entails knowing both the works of God, but also the ways of God. Then looking at this relationally as well, which is the closer intimacy? Knowing the works of God or knowing the ways of God? Who knew God better? The children of Israel or Moses? Moses, yes, I'll answer your question. I'll tell you this your question. Moses, right? Moses was one of the closest men to ever walk with God who's ever lived. God made known his ways to him. Let's start on the outside first. Okay, let's start with more of a peripheral knowledge of who God is. 
with understanding his works. So you'll notice in the context of this psalm, the Lord in verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. These are the words of God. Keep your markers here. We're going to come back to this first quite a bit. But let's go back to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. So here we are going to the time period of Moses. So clear about what year are we? If we're going to Moses, we are about... That's right. I'm sorry. I'm probably not the first person to be confused. Hey, what year are we? That's Abraham. Moses would then be 1500. Very good. So we're going back 500 years to Moses. Okay? So here we are in the time of Moses. Now I want us to know this is after the Exodus. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. God here said, God said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before your people I will do marvels such as never been seen from creation in all the earth or in any nation. In all the peoples among whom you shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now in the context of this verse, God is making known his works to the children of Israel. So let's think through this historically. When God made known his works to the children of Israel, what did that entail? What were some of the works of God that the children of Israel in that generation saw? Plagues. Plagues. What else? Red Sea. The great parting of the Red Sea. What else? Feeding and watering. Yes, the feeding and watering after they come out of the Red Sea. We're hungry. Please feed us. So God gives them manna. What else? Fire. When they're at Sinai, what happens? Fire and smoke. Yes, when they're at Sinai, God comes down and there's that great majestic scene in Exodus 20 where the fire fills the mountain. They saw the works of God. And I'm going to recommend if we want to know God, not just know about God, but if we want to know God, we must know the works of God. Let's go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Again, as we come to know who God is, not only come to know who He is, but also come to know Him, we have to understand the works of God, know who He is and what He's done. Now, looking in this whole psalm, uh, this is a psalm of Asaph, and Asaph here records various works of God. We're going to focus on just a few that he brings out. Let's look at verse 21. Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel. Because they did not believe in God. And did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above, and he opened the doors of heaven. And rained down on them manna to eat, and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he led the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sands of the sea. He let them fall in the midst of their camp, all around their dwellings, and then they ate and were filled. He gave them what they craved, but before they had satisfied their cravings, while food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them, and laid low the young men of Israel. Notice the works of God here. God is awesome, God is powerful, God is just, God is righteous. All of these works are according to his very nature. If we want to come to know God, we need to know his works. 
What are the works of God? What has God done? Again, not a trick question. What are some of the works of God? Creation. Very good. If you want to begin at the very beginning, God created, right? Now, Gary talked about, God talked last night from Isaiah 40 about how awesome the very creation that our awesome creator made. But the very idea that there is something rather than nothing, and that is something that's so amazing, it speaks to the wondrous works of our God. So he began in creation. He continued it through to the patriarchs. He continued it through to the time of Moses. But what work of God shows his grace, his mercy, his love, his kindness, brings all of it together? What one work above all else? Giving his son. The giving of the son, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That very one act of giving his son <laughs> demonstrates the awesome, wondrous, marvelous, fantastic working of our God. We need to know the work of God. As you go through your Old Testaments, know the works of God. As you go through your New Testaments, know the work of God. If I can just, as an example, the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book that's probably misnamed, as it's the book of the Acts of the Apostles. The book is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Acts of God. What you see in the book of Acts is God working to spread the message of the good news throughout the world. That is the working of God. As you go throughout the Gospels, it is the working of God among mankind to unfold the marvelous mystery that had been held within the heavens, within the very mind of God himself, and then was revealed. As you go throughout the books of history, you see the rising and the fallings of the kings. It's not just the stories of the various monarchies that came. It is ultimately the story of God who rose them and made them fall, that brought them up and brought them down. That is the very working of God. For us to come to know God, we need to first begin with the works of God. Now get your songbooks out. I want you to go to your supplement books and go to number 59. This is the God. I want you to just take a moment and just read through verse 1. And then I want you to tell me, what is at least one work of God that is recorded in that first verse? Maybe something we've already talked about. He made us. He made us. Is there another one? The seas. Yeah, he made the seas. What is the, what is the working of God? Creation, right? Look at verse 2. Nations of Go dust. ahead, Joseph. What are you thinking? Nations of dust. Yes. That idea, Psalm 2 has a very similar idea in it. Uh, God raises the nations and he makes them fall. To, to us, nations are incomprehensible. To God, he just makes them rise and make them fall. What's the work of God in verse 3? We have a promise of a great reward. That's it. And what is God's work that he's going to do? Save us. He's going to fulfill that promise of salvation. 
So let's notice the work of God in this psalm. Who can you compare to God? Verse 1, His creation is incomparable. Verse 2, His providence is incomparable. And then verse 3, His salvation is incomparable. That's ultimately what this psalm is. There's no idol, there's no thing, there's no entity, there's no concept, there's no person. There's nothing, nothing that can compare to God simply based upon the works of God. Now, whenever we think about our own works, it's often easy to get ourselves patting on our back, right, for our own works. Whenever you think about, you know, the great things that we can achieve. Um, for me, it was never sports growing up. I was never the athlete growing up. But it was always, you know, things more academic related. And just, you know, I got pretty good on that test today. I mean, that's pretty good. You should listen to my ACT score. It's really not that bad. Uh, for, for, for you, if it's sports, right? I mean, nobody can run a mile like I can. I mean, good uh, <laughs> I mean, have you seen me tackle? <laughs> right? Uh, maybe it's neither of those. Maybe it's something else. Compare that work with God. Compare that with the working of our God who created. Compare that with the work of our God who providentially makes the nations rise and fall. Compare that with the working of God who has saved of people who were lost in sin. <laughs> who can you compare to God? Now put those away and go back to Psalm 103. So again, let's go to the first part. If we want to come to know God, we first need to know the works of God. Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He makes known his ways to Moses and his works to the children of Israel. Okay? What does it mean to know the ways of God? Now, there are many of us, I think, who know the works of God. But we never come to know the ways of God. And we can have all the knowledge of what God has done without ever comprehending who he is. Now, you'll notice in the text, who in the text knew the ways of God? Moses. How then does Moses come to know the ways of God? Let's go to Exodus 33. Exodus chapter 33. So, here's our question then. If we ultimately need to know the ways of God, and Moses knows the ways of God, how then do we pattern Moses to know the ways of God? Okay? Exodus 33, this is an amazing scene between God and man. Exodus 33, verse 12, I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. So Exodus 33, beginning in verse 12. And in this context, I, I want to put in the personal name of God, the interaction between the two beings here. Uh, when in your Old Testaments, if you ever see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the covenant name for God, Yahweh, I am, okay? Moses said to Yahweh, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by your name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
He said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of this earth? And the Yahweh said to Moses, this is the very thing you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. <laughs> Yahweh said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man cannot see me and live. And Yahweh said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand. And you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Moses here, he asked of God, he beseeched of him. God, show me your ways. Now let's see within the context of this verse. What is synonymous with the ways of God here? What is what is seen as equal to the ways of God here? What other words? We have the ways of God mentioned in verse 13. What else does Moses ask for, for example, in verse 19? Verse 18, rather. Glory. Oh, that's a concept that's hard to understand, right? How do you start to understand? Glory of God. So not only is he wanting to see the ways of God, but now please show me your glory. What else? Look at verse 19. His goodness. What else? Look at verse 19 as well. Goodness. Compassion. Compassion. A few others. Mercy. Mercy. And one more. Grace. The graciousness of God. Sound familiar from 1 Peter? Whenever Moses asked God, God, show me your ways. Let's notice verse 19. He also promised, he also asked him, God, show me your glory. Verse 19. Yahweh said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. When God showed Moses his ways, what did God reveal to Moses? His character. God showed him his character, his mercy, his compassion, his goodness, his grace. All of that was a part of the ways of God. Now, let me ask you all this. Do you know the ways of God? There's a big difference between knowing the works of somebody and the ways of somebody, right? You can Facebook stalk somebody and find out their works, right? We've all done it, right, Megan? Um, you can figure out someone's works, okay? So I Facebook stalked Andy before we came. I don't think we'd ever really interacted much before. And I figured out his works, okay? Exactly. I learned that he was from Minnesota. He grew up in California, had two boys, uh, he was an evangelist. Those are his works, right? Things he's done. But 
Just knowing someone's works, does that really let you know their ways? Of course not. In the case of a person, you spend time together. You talk, you do things together, you converse, you get shared experiences, and you then get to know each other's ways. With God, we need to know His ways. We need to know His character. We need to know His nature. We need to know His goodness, His mercy, His graciousness. I want to give you just one example of this. Let's go to the book of Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. While you're turning there, I want you to finish this sentence for me. If we were to ask most people, and I think even most Christians, I've run this experiment in a few churches. If, if you ask most people today to finish the sentence, finish it for me. God is blank. Okay, someone fill it in for me. God is love. love. There you go, right? And certainly, go to 1 John chapter 4. Explicitly, God is love. Is God love? Yes, absolutely. Okay? But here's the challenge. Is that the only, and perhaps even, is that the central characteristic of God? Okay, look at Romans 11, 22. Know then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity to those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Now, whenever you just read this on the surface level, it seems like God is, is split personality. I mean, I don't need to be blasphemous. But that is how many have read the God that we serve, the one true living God. That at times he's just loving and kind and compassionate. At other times he's just wrathful and vengeful and mean. Note then, the kindness and the severity of God. Is God kind? Yes. Is God severe? But how do these two ideas relate together? How would we really look to the ways of God and know how His kindness and His severity relate together? Go with me back to Psalm 103. Okay? Go back with me to Psalm 103. Verse 6. Yahweh works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his works to the people of Israel. Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Which is the default of our God? Does God seek to be loving and kind? Or does God seek to be wrathful and vengeful? Which one does God want? He wants kindness. Our God wants to be kind and loving and gracious and merciful and good. But in the face of sin, He can't. In the face of sinners who have rebelled against Him, who have stopped seeking Him, who no longer know Him, who no longer serve Him, God can't. Our God is slow to anger. If I can illustrate it another way, one of the best, most Underrated children's movies of the last 10 years is The Rise of the Guardians. There's an excellent analogy in there. Oh, it's great, Andrew. And it's actually a DreamWorks movie. You'd like that. Um, but there's this imagery in here of Jack Frost trying to figure out who he is. And this uh, puncture Santa Claus tells him, well, 
you need to figure out what your core is. Now, do y'all know what a Russian Russian nesting doll is? So, with a Russian nest Russian nesting doll, you have some painting on the outside, which is really ugly. You have some painting <laughs> on the outside, and then that's the exterior of it. You take it off a level, and then you get to another one. You take it off another level, you get to another one. You take it off to another level, you get to another one. You take it off another level, you get to another one. And then you're left with one very, 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 very tiny core in the middle. What is the core of our God? What's his core? Now, that's a question that takes a lifetime to come to know. And it will take an eternity to even begin to comprehend. But let us take the doll and take off that first artificial exterior and let's come to know him. Let's take off that next level. Let's come to know him. Let's take off that next one and let's get to the very core, the very ways of our God. That's as we will come to know him. God may know his ways to Moses, his works to the children of Israel. As we consider the ways of God, let's turn to Psalm 86. Psalm 86, verse 8. There is none like you among the gods, O Yahweh. Sound familiar to our song? Nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Yahweh, and shall glorify your name. For you are a great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Yahweh, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Yahweh, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the death shield. Why does David, a man after God's own heart, in verse 11, pray? Teach me your way, O Yahweh. Once God teaches him his way, what then is David going to do? Look at the next part of the verse. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may... Y'all can read. Walk. walk, there you go. That I may walk in your truth. Once we come to know the ways of God, it should impact our own ways. It should impact our own path. It should impact our own life. We should understand the character of our God that he has revealed and shared with us. And we should make our ways his ways. We should make our character according to his character. We should make our finite in perfect flesh according to his perfect, wonderful spirit. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So, as we sing our song, think of the works of God Think of the ways of God. I urge you in your life, come to know the ways of God. Y'all, I was raised in a Christian home, but I did not really start to even consider the ways of God till I was in my 20s. 
I had wasted so much time of just focusing on the works of God. I never really gave thought to the ways of God. Come to know Him. Come to know His ways. It takes a lifetime and it will take eternity to complete. But teach me your way, O Lord. Get your supplements out. Let's see. 59.